In this episode, I sit down with Vanessa Rosenblum, who's the founding member of Higher Lab and Lid Consulting. Today, we talk about the best strategies for making your very first hire to help grow your real estate business. We also talk about the two biggest mistakes most agents make when hiring. But more importantly, we talk about how to avoid those two costly mistakes. As well, we unpack her magic formula for filtering and finding the absolute best candidates. If you like content like this and you find it valuable, please take a moment and hit that subscribe button now. And without further ado, I'm your favorite referral agent out of San Francisco, Sean Kunkler. Vanessa, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm excited to talk to you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Okay. So here's the awkward part. I start all my guests with this, but in a quick summary, who are you and what do you do? So I'm a recruiter first and a coach second, and I help real estate agents build teams through hiring great administrative staff and then strategically adding the right systems, people, and structure to their business while I help them uh, level up their leadership skills as their team expands. That's such an important piece, especially for people who are just starting to 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 make that leap, make the decision, I need to hire somebody and not having any idea where to go or what to do or how to get started or who to hire. And then what do you have them do? How much do I pay them? There's so many uh, questions and uncertainties. Let's just start, start from that point. How do you help? You know, I have such a heart for people who are, these are solopreneurs, right? You're, you're doing everything in your business and you've gotten, you've become so good at doing all these things that you can't do it all and continue to grow. You've, you've hit a ceiling and then, you know, then you have to think about, so what am I willing to take off of my plate or what do I really can't wait to get off of my plate and who do, who do I trust to do it? And, and there are so many questions. And so it's this amazing jump in somebody's business. And it's such an honor to help people navigate through that. And I would say most people who call my recruiting firm call and they say, I know I need help, but I, I don't know what I need. So, uh, you know, starting at the very bottom, we start with systems. You are probably doing things in your business that you could do less of if you had better systems and processes. So before you spend money hiring a person, that's really step one. Um, are you putting data into more than one system? Do you have um, templates for emails that you send out? over and over again, you know, basic things like that. Let's start with that foundation and start documenting how you do things. Then the really the next step is your transaction coordination. Let's get that off of your plate right away. And then the next baby step piece is marketing, whether that's using your marketing team within your brokerage or hiring a social media expert. Marketing is is a, it's like a, it could be means lots of different things to different people, right? But whatever marketing means for you is likely something you don't need to be spending your time doing. So for a lot of agents, if they can just get marketing and transaction coordination off of their plate, that frees up time for them to spend more time prospecting and negotiating. And then we can talk about virtual assistants and part-time assistants and eventually full-time hires. But those are those initial baby steps. It's interesting. I followed a similar path. I put the the transaction coordinator in first and then 
I'm not good at documenting the systems. I have systems, but they're in in here, in my head. Not the best place for them. And then I had to hire somebody to start putting them together. Actually, I take that back. I my and I'm not saying it was right. It was it's it's most of this stuff is formed out of just necessity and need and time constraints and chaos. But I um I had a virtual assistant first to help with my newsletter and marketing components. And then I had for transactions, a TC transaction coordinator. And then I eventually made a hire for a full-time person. Yeah. It's tricky. And there's, to your point, there's a lot of, you get to an edge of a cliff and you have no idea how to navigate around it, over it any of it. There's so many questions and there's so many challenges. So do you, let's say somebody's in the business a few years, they're doing a a decent amount of business to the point where they're, they're starting to make simple mistakes because they're running out of time. Is that usually when people give you a call? Yeah. They usually call a bit too late. Yeah. By the time you're that busy, it's hard to slow down to speed up. And the reality is whenever you add somebody to your business, you have to slow down. You have to spend time with them. You're going to have things are going to happen slower than if you did did it yourself. And you, you have to go through that piece in order to speed up. And if you're already, you know, hair on fire, it's it's a lot harder to do that. So, I mean, I think a really a couple of things sort of best practices to keep in mind, your salaries, whatever you're paying in salaries really shouldn't equal more than 20% of your net commission income. Okay. So that's income that comes into your bank account after you've paid your split to your brokerage. So 20%. So if you're making a hundred thousand, that's 20,000. That's, you really shouldn't go much ahead of that more than that. If you want to stay profitable. Now the red book, the Keller Williams book used to say 10 to 12%. I don't think that's realistic in most markets today. Okay. But 20%, you can stick around there. So that really helps you think about what you can afford and where you need to look for that support. And then the other thing is people say, well, I can't afford an assistant. Okay. Have you calculated your hourly rate? Like how many hours are you working on average? How much are you making every month? What is your hourly rate? If your hourly rate is a hundred dollars an hour, why are you doing $10 an hour work. If you took that hour and you took that time and you called through your database, if you, you know, went to another open house, if you used your time better, if you leveraged your time, how much more money could you make in that hour that you're, you're paying yourself $10 an hour to do, right? Or you're giving up the opportunity of $100 an hour, right? So you have to start thinking like a business and thinking about leverage in terms of where should I be spending my time and attention? And then you then it makes it a lot easier to think about, okay, well, I'm spending time creating my newsletter. I can pay somebody, whatever, 25 bucks to do that. If I, instead of spending an hour doing that and maybe not doing it as well as the professional could do it, if I spend that time doing the thing I'm really good at and the thing that really drives revenue, how much more money could I make? So thinking about your dollar productive activities and your opportunity costs when you don't have the right kind of leverage on your team. My background prior to getting getting into real estate was sales. And I had a good 20 year experience, 20 years of experience prior to getting into real estate. So I was probably maybe three months in the business 
and I had a crazy to-do list. It was just super long, maybe 20 items. And one day I got to the office, I was completely overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, how, let me just reapproach this from a salesperson's perspective. And I literally wrote a dollar sign next to anything, any action item that could potentially produce income by the end of the week. So if I can get somebody to contract, create, drive any sorts of revenue, and then I started to do those. And then what I did was I took all of those items that did not have a dollar sign, and then I really just had some deep thought of, can I give this to somebody else to do who can potentially do a better job than I could? And then that was that. Beautiful. But it was definitely hard to get there because to your point, your your hair is on fire and you're just literally, you don't even have time to think. You're just on a call with a client. You're going to show a property. You're, you're eating in your car, <laughs> driving to the next place, and you're just going bonkers. It is a hard experience. And I, and I really have compassion for people who are going through this. It, it, it's a it's a tough transition. And then there's this whole trusting somebody else with the things that you, know, you built your business on the way that you follow up with clients and the way that you prepare for an open house and the way you write property descriptions and all these things. And a lot of our identity is wrapped up in some of that. And so there are pieces that you're happy to give to somebody else. And then there are other pieces that you need to give up that are a lot harder to trust somebody else to do. Um, and so this is, I always think of it of, of like peeling back an onion, right? There are all these layers and you, you just have to keep letting some of these pieces go. And that's a, that's a long transition. Even when you hire a full-time administrator, there are things that are their initial job description. And then, then there are other pieces that they kind of earn the right to do over time. It's a process. And I'd say the other thing that really makes this easier is if you take the time to document how you do things. If you have a really good listing checklist, it's so much easier to look at that list and say, oh, okay, well, I can hire somebody to do this portion and I'm going to hold on to this portion. But if you don't really know how you do things or you kind of do it different every single time, it's really difficult to bring someone else into your business and, and get help with the things that you don't need to spend time doing. To your point there, if, if you don't have a system in place, or you work with somebody in creating the system and you have expectations of how it should be done, but you don't have a system in place, it's you can't hand it off because it'll never get done the way you actually want it to. But if there's a system in place, they the whoever's working on it is following exactly your brand, how you want it to be executed. And it gets done correctly. For me, that was a hard long lesson to learn is we do um, Monday, Thursday check-in calls at 9 a.m., the whole team, and we go through all of our transactions and our operations manager literally runs the checklist. So she knows basically the road ahead and then she makes sure that we're all doing it. And the list is so robust that the agents, I don't have to remember anything. I don't get, I don't get those 3 a.m. cold sweat flashes in my head of like, oh my God, did I forget to send this document out? Or did I forget this? Because our checklist covers all of that. But that's a hard evolution to get to that point. It's a lot of, to your point earlier, you really genuinely have to slow down to go fast and just work on these components regularly. 
Right. And I don't want to dissuade someone from seeking out help because they don't have the systems. That's ideal. But like you said, you did it the other way and, and you're fine. Look where you are today. But there's something to keep in mind here, which is there are systems builders and there are system followers. System builders cost more. They're more experienced. They're the ones who will say, sure, no problem. I'm going to come in. I'm going to pull everything out of your head and I'm going to look around and see how I think things are being done around here. And I'm going to put it into a system for you. You can absolutely hire that person. And in fact, I work with an incredible systems documentation specialist. Her name is Dr. Laura Sims. And this is her whole job. She goes into real estate offices, documents how we do things around here, puts it into a trainual or a Google Drive account, beautiful step-by-step checklists and guides for everything. So you can outsource this either to a specialist or you can hire a more senior level administrator who is a systems builder. But if you're just starting out, you probably really just need a systems follower type assistant. And in that case, you're going to have to be more involved in documenting how things are done. You know, to kind of unpack that, it sounds like just knowing who you are as, as an individual, what are your, what are your natural strengths and weaknesses prior to hiring? As I work as a leadership coach, right. And a lot of my work with clients is, you know, people will come in and say, well, I know I need an assistant. I know I need help, but I don't really want to manage anybody. I don't want to deal with all all this people stuff. I just want, basically, I want them to show up and shut up. It doesn't work that way. And I always remind people, when you got into real estate, you didn't know a single script or dialogue. You didn't know how to write a contract. You've built a skill set. This is a new skill set that if you if you truly want to continue to grow your business, this is the next skill set that you need to master. And you can master it. You can become a better leader. You can effectively delegate and communicate. You can work on these skills, but you have to be willing to do that. And if you want a really incredible person to decide to show up every day to work for you and help you reach your goals, then you need to be the kind of leader that is worthy of them. And and that's another level of this work, right? We're talking about these baby steps of documenting how you do things, recognizing your strengths and weaknesses, hiring somebody that complements you and doesn't mirror you, right? Hard for a lot of people who haven't done a lot of hiring, especially for salespeople who are dynamic and, you know, high eyes on the disc profile. They like people. And so they meet someone who is likable and bubbly and excited and and they want to work with that person. But what they really need is the person who loves the checklist, loves the details, probably not as extroverted as they are, right? They need their their complement, not their mirror. And then you have this person who's different from you, who is motivated in a different way than you. And now you get to learn how to communicate with people who are different from you, um, how to how to motivate people who have different drivers than you. And um, I, I mean, I think it's a really exciting journey and it's an honor to be in a position where people um, you know, show up every day to help you reach your goals, to, to put you in a leadership position. I think that's an amazing gift and a privilege, but you've got to really want that. And if you really don't want to have to deal with managing people, then you need to find some other solutions. And it's because it's not fair to you or that person to hire them on if you're not willing to do that work and go to the next step. And it needs to align with with your goals, what you hope to achieve and what you're capable of, meaning you may not have the skills, but do you want to go acquire those skills? And it's to your point, like 
most of the day I'm not doing sales. <laughs> I'm HR. I'm the CFO. I'm the CEO. I'm the COO. I'm the CMO. <laughs> and then sometimes I get to go meet with the client. Yeah. It's rewarding in a very different way. Absolutely. For me, it was very gratifying when uh, Priyanka, who's on my team, when she made her first sale, it was like, it felt like my first sale all over again. It was just, I was so elated for her because I I watched her journey and evolution and it, it was just all built into all of this, this work, which I, I find it's worth it. Yeah. What would you say for people who are considering the, the first hire, what's the biggest mistake or misconception they typically have before they make that move? So when an agent wants to build a team, the number one worst mistake that they make is hiring a salesperson or a quasi sales slash assistant instead of actually hiring an admin first. Hands down, that is the biggest mistake. If you hire someone who wants to be in sales or they're a buyer's agent and they're going to also help you with your transactions on the side, you know, one of these sort of hybrid situations, it 90, 99% of the time is a bad idea because you need to hire, going back to the, those different behavioral styles and different personalities, you need to hire the person who really, really loves to deal with the contract and the checklists and the systems. And that's what they really want to do. Not the person who's tolerating that work, but what they really want to do is sell real estate, right? So that's issue number one. I think the other mistake, if you are really focused on hiring an admin first, as you should, is not getting clear about what your new job description is. To your point about how you know, you're the CMO and the CFO and you're all of these things, we really focus on the things that we're giving to somebody else and someone else's job description. And that's really important. And I'm not discounting that, but those are tasks that you're currently doing that you no longer have to do. If you really want to get leverage from that person, if you want to double or triple your business over the next couple of years with this hire, which is absolutely possible. I've seen it happen time and time and time again, your job description has to change, right? So how much more time are you spending doing dollar productive activities now that you're not spending half of your week doing administrative tasks? How are you going to show up as a manager and leader for this person, right? How are you going to be different because you have this person in your life? That's where the real leverage comes in, not just because you've delegated some tasks to somebody else. The more you clear your plate, the more full your plate gets. <laughs> And, and you're right, your job description, it completely changes and evolves every time you make a new, anytime the strategy of the business change, anytime the business evolves or changes, the market shifts, anytime the season change, everything changes and you have to be one step ahead and, and think it through. I, yeah, I, I a hundred percent, you're number one of, of saying that people who hire incorrectly they hire an assistant who is is a hybrid and they're an agent i i can't even begin to tell you how many times i've heard that um from colleagues in the field to uh, high level people like yourself who talk to a ton of individual agents and have seen it firsthand it's that's uh, that's such a, a such a learning curve that you don't have to go through 
Yeah. And here's the thing. If you do decide that you're bringing on a buyer's agent, let's say I feel, I have so many leads. I, I need help with all of these leads I have. And instead of paying an assistant to free up my time so that I can cultivate these relationships with my buyers, I'm going to give 50% or however much of my commission to somebody else to let them handle those leads because it's free because I, you know, I don't have to pay anything out of my pocket. Buyer's agents are not just little money generators over here. They expect things from you. They need things. If they're a buyer's agent on their t- your team, in addition to wanting leads from you, they want coaching and guidance and support and technology, and they want your time. And if, if you really do the math, if you really look at the opportunity cost of having a buyer's agent over paying an assistant, it will, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> Um, I've been interviewing, right? So I've been interviewing more and more teams who have really doubled down on their admin support. Um, there's a multifamily team that has 12 admin and one salesperson. You know what he does all day long? Dollar productive activities. Does he do a single thing that doesn't generate sales or that he doesn't absolutely have to do? No. Wait, hold on. They have 12 admins? A lot of those people are VAs. They're not all on site. Gotcha. Oh my goodness. I just, the budget on salary, I just like, it made my stomach drop for a second. Well, so remember, so if you're hiring a virtual assistant from the Philippines, you could be paying between a thousand and maybe 1800 a month. Very true. So that makes it a lot easier to get the admin support that you need in a budget that is very reasonable. Now that's an extreme case, but um, the Renee White team up in Walnut Creek as well, they have, she's one listing agent, five buyer's agents, and I think five admin. And those buyer's agents are extremely leveraged. They have a very narrow job description. They're given leads. They're expected to follow up with them, show them property, close deals. They're highly productive. And she said, you know, I've done the math. It is, I keep more money in my pocket. I keep a lot more money in my pocket by paying salaries and I control my brand so much more because my, my realtors aren't running, aren't going broke. Like there is a process and a system and an expectation about how we do things around here. They're very well supported so that they can provide excellent service to our clients and they do their spot. They call themselves a team of specialists, which I love, right? So the buyer's agents are specialists on buying. They're, you know, placing buyers. Uh, they're not doing marketing. They're not running transactions. They're not running reports. They're just selling property. And, you know, she just has less drama, less uh, turnover. Um, she doesn't have to have as many people in her business. She can have just very highly productive people in her business. And I, I mean, I think that's brilliant. Same page. Aaron Kruger out of um, Tennessee, same, similar. She has the individual agents on the team are all specialists within the different categories of real estate that they cover there. And then they have all the back end support that's all that are, they're all specialists who are then set out to support those agents. So those agents can do that one thing that they do best, which is sell properties. And I, I, I don't, don't quote me, but it's, she's like, they do a significant amount of business. Like they're number one in multiple categories, uh, amounts of business. And, and to your point, it's, they've specialized 
and similar to that agent in Walnut Creek, when you specialize, you can, you can genuinely pull a lot of stuff off of your plate. But even that first hire, the first hire, the, the whole slowdown to go fast. My first hire, I was doing a decent amount of business, made the hire. My business flattened out for three months because I was getting her on, on board and training. And then my business by the end of that year had doubled from my previous year. And then my following year had doubled from that year. And I was like, oh my gosh, this this formula works. And then I, the, my immediate thought was, why didn't I hire someone sooner? <laughs> you got to be ready. But yes, I know we, we, it's so often we can hindsight's twenty twenty. So the way I, I got into this business, I worked for a real estate business coach. I was a student at USC in L.A., and I was a business student and I worked for this coach for the summer. And I was just fascinated by this idea that like every real estate agent is their own microcosm, their own little business within this bigger brokerage. And they all do it differently, but they're all doing the same thing. I loved that. But then we would track when somebody hired an assistant, their business would double or triple over the next few years if they did it right. But then we saw all the problems that people had with turnover and just sort of chaos. And when they did it, when they did it the wrong way, their business could flatline or even decline, right? So this was a really key hire, but it was fascinating to me that you could hire one person. And at the time, let's say you're a $300,000 agent, you're spending 50,000 on an assistant. And one year that $50,000 investment could uh, you know, cause you to make an extra $300,000. Like tell me where else you get that kind of ROI in your business. And this was, okay, those numbers are from 2004. Okay. So you, most places you're not going to get a great assistant for 50,000 anymore. But, um, but still, I mean, the, those ratios still stand. Like, tell me where else you're going to get that kind of a return in your business. These strategic moves are investments in the business and they're not, you're not just throwing money at the wall and hoping that something else is going to happen. You're strategically taking things off of your plate as a realtor. So then you can go do income producing tasks, which is that's at the core of what we should be doing. And it's, it's simple math, but it's very hard and stressful. And it's a little overwhelming to get to that point. But, and I would also, I don't know these studies and I, I don't interact with the same, the same agents in the same place that you do. But I would also imagine that most all of these people who made the hire were like, that was the best thing I ever did. Wish I did it sooner. I've met people who came into real estate with a lot of savings and they, you know, they're like, all right, I'm, I want to hire a great assistant. I want an operations manager on day one. Problem is those operations managers want to step into something that is established. Like you might not be ready yet for the kind of person you envision. It is a process. And this idea that you're going to hire one person and they're going to be with you for the next 15 years, it's highly unrealistic. It happens. My assistant's been with me for nine years. Um, so it, it can happen, but you don't hire expecting that they're going to be there forever. You expect that this person is going to be the right fit in your business for the next two to three years. If you can get three years out of an admin hire, you did really well then you might need something different. The person who was great at, you know, just kind of doing everything before you separated out marketing and customer service and transaction coordination, 
they might be really good at the TC stuff. And guess what? When you get to that point where you need to separate out that job, what you really need is a marketing and administrative expert. So they're not the right fit anymore. You guys have outgrown each other. Then you hire the next person and they're really good at this where you need to go next. And then maybe it's time for them to move on and then you get to the next level. So I think you have to, you have to look at your next two to three year horizon. Where am I now? Where do I want to go in two to three years? And who is the right person to help me get to that step? And then we can reevaluate. And hopefully that person grows with you. You know, I think one of the amazing trends that we're seeing in our industry is all of the coaching and training and support for real estate admin. You know, the role of a real estate admin has has grown exponentially. I've been doing this work for about 18 years. My company is 15 years old and then I had another company before that. It's changed a lot from what was expected of a real estate admin, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And now these these are like high-level paralegals. They're licensed, they can run everything in the back end. They can stand in for you when you're on vacation. They are business savvy, they're tech savvy. Um, it, you know, it's a it's a big role. And for somebody to get there, they often need their own coaching, training and support, just like you do. If you guys are going to grow together. I agree. I mean, it's, I've said this before on the podcast is it's not dissimilar from sports is no matter how amazing a team is and how many trophies they've won, they're still coaches that are helping them get to that next level the next day. And, and I, I, I'm a firm believer of having coaches and having, people who can not necessarily tell you the road ahead, but they can help point out or help help you draw the conclusions that you need for yourself in the business. They can they can point out, hey, it looks like you're doing a lot of this. Do you want to be doing a lot of this? And then you can they get you to reflect in a much, a much different way. So it sounds like with 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 your work with agents and support staff, it sounds like you really focus some good attention on, on really understanding personalities and strengths and then playing matchmaker to complement each other. Is that a true statement? It is a lot like matchmaking. I think this is what makes this type of recruiting so different from what recruiters who work in the corporate space uh, consider. When you're working with an HR department and you're filling the third widget maker at such and such company, the personality doesn't matter as much, right? But this is this is a really tight relationship. This is one employer and one assistant, like they really have to match. So we've developed a process that we call JCG plus T. And this is our hiring uh, um, framework, I guess you'd call it. So the J stands for job fit. Uh, this means we need to make sure that the logistics of the job work. Can they get there on time? Do the hours work with their schedule? Do they have the, the skills and experience to actually do the work? Um, the C is culture. Are they a culture fit? And this really comes down to values. Do I do you value being on time? Do you value really loving on clients? Do you value learning? When I have clients who really know who they are, they know what their core values are, and they really stand firm in that. And they don't have to be altruistic. They just have to know who they are. If they know that, then it makes it so much easier to find their people. I mean, it's like dating, right? You got to know yourself first. Um, but I've had clients, I'm going to make a little bit of a segue here, but it's, I'll get back to my point. I had a client in Canada, actually, who called me and she's like yelling at somebody off to the side as we're talking. And she's sort of sarcastic. And finally, she goes, look, it's really rough and tumble around here. 
Uh, we're really sarcastic. We're politically incorrect. And by the way, if this person can't quote Seinfeld as in the TV show, they can't work here. I was, I was like, wow. Okay. Never heard this before, but we put some Seinfeld quotes at the top of the job ad. And we said, if you don't know who said this, this isn't, isn't the right job for you. And I, People were so excited about the idea of working for politically incorrect, rough and tumble, sarcastic realtor. We got essays and phone calls and people begging to be considered for this job. I, I'd never seen anything like this before. And it just proves the point that it doesn't matter who you are. Just be who you are. Be like fully proud and in the moment. Just be you. And then you can attract people who want to, to show up and be with you every day. So culture is so, so important and you don't have to, you know, you don't have to paint it with a pink brush. You don't have to dumb it down. Just be loud and proud because there are people out there who, who are going to like that. I think not only with who you're looking for, but all your marketing, no one wants generic, especially in this business. Like they, people want to work with people who are like them. This is a really intimate and stressful experience for somebody to buy or sell a home. And so they want to, if the trust isn't there and the connection isn't there, it's all, it all falls by the wayside. I, it's funny. I'm originally from the East coast and now live in San Francisco, but I'm, I'm from Connecticut. And so I have, I've really had to tone down my sarcasm, but I love it when I can just riff with somebody. And so it's like, Oh, we got it. And like we're on the same page and I don't have to hold back. And so it's cool. On my team, we have, there's just a really good mutual understanding. It's like we, we all get each other and it, it does make for a much better experience. And that's the same with, with marketing that goes out. You should be attracting the right people, but you should also repel all the ones that you don't want to work with or, or those people, th those potential employees who just are not going to vibe with, with, with you. If there's going to be just a, a culture clash every time there's a meeting, it's that, that would be a nightmare. Absolutely. And it impacts the culture and climate in your office so much. If you just have one person who isn't a culture fit, it, it, it colors everything. Yeah. So, so the job fit, the culture fit, and then the last piece that is just critical, these three things have to be in place in order for a hire to be successful, whether we're talking about a virtual assistant or an onsite full-time person. And this is goal alignment. So we're talking about what are this, this employee, this candidate's personal, professional, and financial goals, and can you support them in achieving them? So for example, before we really dove into this framework, uh, we one time hired somebody and it turned out they wanted to go to grad school. And on Wednesdays, they had to leave at five o'clock to get to class for graduate school. Well, the agent really didn't like to have to let this person leave a little bit early on Wednesdays. And guess what? That candidate decided to go find a job that would accommodate their schedule. The job was not a goal fit. Financially, are you going to be able to help this person achieve their goals and their personal goals? When you know what somebody's personal goals are, you can do things that are, you can um, support them in a really personal way. So for example, I have an employee who wanted to learn how, wanted to learn Spanish. So instead of giving her just a, a birthday bonus or, you know, an Amazon gift card, I paid for her, um, for a language class for her so that she could learn Spanish. She told me like a year before that she'd wanted to learn and I knew she hadn't signed up yet. So these are those like little things that make you a better boss and leader and help you show your people that you're pouring into them and that you, you care about them and, and what they want to achieve. And when you do that, then they 
pour back into you. So job fit, culture fit, goal fit are all just essential. And then finally, T is for talent. Talent shows up when they're, when these other things are in alignment. I think we can all think of a job that we had when we weren't, we weren't a good fit for the job and we didn't show up as talent. I was a Macy's sales floor rep when I was in college and I hated that job. I was so bad at it. Asking people if they wanted to sign up for a credit card was like my worst nightmare. And uh, I was not talent, but put me in the right position and the right environment. And I definitely show up as talent. And so when you're going through the interview process, you have to look at all of these elements. Are they a job fit? Are they a culture fit? Can I support them in achieving their goals? And do I think that they're going to be able to show up as talent in my environment and in the role that I need them to fill? And so that is a process, finding the person who can fit all of those criteria. But when you get it right, it's so incredible. It is. I would agree. When you find that right hire, it's it's like all the stars align and, and it just clicks. Like it just, it, it works. So my assistant, Liza, I mentioned, she's been with me for nine years and I, I like to joke that my business has two eras. There's BL and AL, like before Liza and after Liza, because for me, even though I have had been doing this work for, I don't know, seven years or something before we met. And in theory, I really understood how important this hire was. It's very different when you actually experience it. So she came into my business and took everything out of my head, put it into a system. And within like four months, I was able to hire other recruiters. And within two years, I stepped out of managing a recruiting pipeline. And, you know, it, like literally everything changed in my business because I had this person who's got my back. She knows everything. I joke that she knows where the bodies are buried. I could be in a coma for three months. The business would still run. She's my person who makes sure that I'm okay, that everything's taken care of. And she's the mama bear in the office. So, you know, I'm really nice, but there are still things that my team members don't always want to come to me to talk about, but they'll talk to her. And so, you know, she can say, oh, so-and-so is a little concerned about this. Do you want to have a conversation about X, Y, Z? So she's, she's this like safety net, this mama bear in the office, which has just been incredible. I will take her with me to the ends of the world. <laughs> you know, she's my person. And I just wish everybody had that. I mean, Every business owner deserves to have Eliza who is just has their back and is making sure that their life and business and everything is running as smoothly as it can. Kat, who works for us, she's she's that. I I often say she's she's kind of the the glue that keeps all of this all of this together and supports I don't know how she does it, honestly. And and it's like I I'm so appreciative of, of all that is like handled and taken care of behind the scenes. So then that me and Priyanka can just focus on sales and focus on marketing and focus on, on those other tasks that are the income producers. And it's, and not only that, we get to stay in the lane that we're passionate about and excited about and, and get up early and stay up late thinking about, um, and that's just so incredibly important. And I, and I hope that somebody listening to this understands that hiring is not a liability. It's an investment. And if you make a really good investment, it pays dividends. Yeah. Just the mental load, right? I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this. Just not having to think about 
that thing that's supposed to happen every Tuesday and the the HR report that has to go to the EDD and the transferring the money to make sure that payroll is taken care of. Like there's so many like little things that I don't have to clog up my brain with because I know without a doubt that Liza has it handled and it will happen exactly as it's supposed to happen, exactly when it's supposed to happen every single time until until it no longer needs to happen. Like, and I'm not that consistent. Like, like, it would never happen if it was up to me. So knowing that I have someone who can follow those systems and make sure things happen. I mean, what a relief. Like, just the level of stress relief is worth every penny and more. Once Kat was in and really up and running, those two 3 a.m. wake-ups of like, oh my gosh, did I send that? Oh, I have to send this. I don't have those. I haven't had those for for years. Like it's amazing. I don't I know if it needs to happen and it needs to happen by me, it's on my calendar. And if I hand it off, 100% it's done. 100%. I don't have to worry about it. And then Cat will usually circle back in one of our 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 uh our quick huddles and she'll be like, "Oh, I took care of this. This is this is taken care of. Don't worry about this. Here's the summary on that." And then we we just move at a much, much faster and relaxed pace. It is I, I that's a huge component that it's hard to quantify, but that the anxiety and stress of of how sure it gets replaced with other anxiety and stress. But but knowing things are being taken care of and they're being taken care of on a very high level on behalf of the client, and the client is is incredibly happy because of it. I can sleep well. And that's, that's really what a good hire is about. Yes. So, and this makes me think of one of those hiring mistakes that you asked about earlier. I find that some agents have very low standards and expectations when it comes to their admin hires. I was on a, a conference call the other day and somebody said, well, my VA keeps sleeping through meetings. And I was like, that is so unacceptable. You have the wrong VA. Yeah. If you sleep through one meeting, okay, but sleeps through meetings, plural? No. Why are you tolerating that? Um, and so when people tell me they, you know, they, they, when people call me and complain about their assistant, I have very little tolerance for that because this is either a training, a standards and expectations, or a bad hire. So let's go through the first two. Let's give people an opportunity to meet our standards. Let's make sure that they're trained. They have the tools and resources to do the job. Like, let's. What did? I, what do I need to do to make sure this person is successful as a leader and a manager? That's the first thing. But if you've done those two things and they're still sleeping through meetings or they're making errors on contracts, you have the wrong person. And I know it's uncomfortable to have to make a new hire, and nobody wants to go through the process more often than they need to. But like you and I both have somebody that is really good at their job. And look at how much less stress we have in our lives because of it. It's possible to have that. You don't have to tolerate poor execution. You can find somebody who can do the job well. You may have to pay more. (laughs) You may have to pay more because people will say, well, you know, I'm paying them $12 an hour and they're really bad at their job. I'm like, well, you're getting what you pay for. (laughs) Like, Yeah. So, you know, you have to look at the whole picture you do have to pay for the quality of person you want to get. But 
really with admins, it's not just about the money, is it? I mean, it's really about being appreciated and feeling safe. Um, they want to, to be needed. They want to feel appreciated. Um, you know, and you know, they want to be able to do their job. Well, it's not always about the money. As salespeople, we just naturally assume that everybody is motivated and inspired the same way that we're motivated and inspired, which is usually commission checks. But it also comes with a roller coaster of not knowing when the next check comes. And so there's like these huge, huge dumps of dopamine and adrenaline and and we thrive on that. There's a whole group of people who like the back end, who like doing the back end sport. They like safety and security and consistency and they hate everything that we love. <laughs> and so trying to 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 motivate somebody based on what motivates you, that's the wrong approach. And that's what I love with your breakdown of who you're hiring, of really understanding what's what's their driver? Why, like what's, what's important to them and, and, and taking a minute to slow down and go, Oh, they, you want to learn Spanish. That's amazing. Let me, let me help you. Let me help you with that. People will call and say, so I want to hire an assistant. I want to pay them minimum wage or 30,000 a year. And then I want them to have these big bonuses. And that is absolutely the wrong approach. I know that would be nice for you because then you don't have to pay out money when you don't have money coming in. But if you, again, if you hire the right person, you're going to double or triple your business over the next couple of years. If you do your new job description and you empower them to do their job description. So the salary is going to be taken care of. But if you have those highs and lows, I promise you, as soon as you have a low, that assistant who seeks out stability and security is looking for another job. And the reality is they're not paying their rent on $30,000 a year. Like you can't, you get paid so much more. So it's, like the logic of, well, if the, if I make all my commissions and they get these bonuses that I, I think I'm going to be able to give them, then they'll be able to pay their bills. But, you know, if, you know, if I don't close these deals, they're not going to make enough to pay their bills. That's, that doesn't set somebody up for success. It doesn't set the business up in a, in a healthy way. It's my rule. And, and this is, it's extreme, but but I really had to reflect on what makes me feel comfortable. My, my internal rule is unless I have the money for this new endeavor to hire somebody or to take on a marketing strategy, whatever it is, I need to have one year's worth of that in reserves. So then I don't have to worry about, I, I can sleep perfectly well at night. If the economy tanks and there's a ton of uncertainty, the business is healthy. I have 12 months to figure this out. Yeah. In doing that, it, it makes me feel so much better. Is it, is it the best move? Probably not because it takes me a while to build up those reserves and, and launch that strategy. But it also makes me really think about as I'm building them up, is this strategy, is this investment the best, best investment for us right now? And is it going to take us to the next level? But it's, it's set me up in a way that I don't have that same stress. I don't have to worry about, I can only worry about so many things in a day and worrying if I can pay somebody at the end of the week is, is I hundred percent do not want to have that worry or myself. I've, I've actually structured it. So I just pay myself a salary and, 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 and it just keeps things financially on the back end of the business moving very smoothly and very, a much lower layer of stress for me. 
to your point much earlier is do some self-evaluation and really figure out what you need, want and enjoy and, and proceed that way. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you made me think of, there's a great book called uh, Profit First by Mike. I Michael love that Hollowitz. book. Yeah. Amazing. That book changed my business. But and and talk about like the stress load, right? Yes. So the really high level of profit first is you figure out what percentage of your business goes to expenses, your salary, um, to profit, et cetera, et cetera. And you every time money comes in, you just put it into those buckets and you pay yourself out of the percentage that you've decided that you're going to pay yourself out of the business. And that's where it comes from. And so you pay yourself a salary that's a little bit lower than that so that it's consistent. And then, you know, every once in a while you can give yourself a bonus out of there, but then you make sure you actually have profit. So you have money going into savings, but there's, you know, you know what you can afford. Otherwise we don't know what we can afford, right? Money came in. Okay. We'll spend it, (laughs) but that doesn't mean you could afford to spend that money. It's so true. And, and that's, you know, as salespeople, we're, it doesn't imply that you're great with money or great with being a C- be you're not good necessarily in being a CFO. And so I, that's a phenomenal book. Yeah. My business, we have five business accounts and then within each account, when money comes in, a percentage gets allocated to each of those. And then of one of those, there's, there's an owner's comp. And then that's where basically my salary comes from. And it's, it's a very controlled environment. And this way, I don't have to panic. If, again, if the season shifts, the interest rates go up or down or to the left or to the right, whatever happens, it's fine. Like the business, I have I have things that are not ping-ponging all over and they're more consistent. So then if I need to strategically hire a marketing person, then I can look at what we actually have and then make a plan and strategy from there. I love that book. Thank you for bringing that up. And so that's unfortunately time. I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with you and I I feel the work that you're doing is so important for agents. And I genuinely hope there's a few sections they go back and re-listen to because they're just such powerful nuggets that you left in there. If somebody wants to reach out and explore the conversation with you, what's the best way they can find you? Yeah, definitely. So we have a website called Hire Lab. So hire-lab.com. And that is a resource hub of resources to help you hire, train, develop, lead your team. So there are free resources there. You can reach me, you can reach my team. Um, But that's a place to go if you want any resources around hiring, training, developing, or leading your real estate team. We will leave that uh, link below. So whatever platform somebody's listening on, they'll be able to have access to it. Vanessa, thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You're so welcome. Thank you.